Welcome to Unexpressed, where we put words to the inexpressible. My name is David White, and I'm the publisher at Whitefire. Over the years, I've had the privilege and opportunity to work with some really amazing people, very talented authors mostly, who have a unique view of the world. Our focus has been on the things that are important and challenging, viewed through the lens of storytelling. Our readers and our listeners are a part of that process. So if you're like us and you're looking for a podcast that will challenge you and encourage you to challenge yourself, you've come to the right place. Today's guest is Joy Palmer. It's appropriate that this episode is releasing in the summer, during a time when people are traditionally thinking about weddings. Since Joy's books, Love, Lace, and Minor Alterations, Weddings, Willows, and Revised Expectations, and the third book in the series, coming later this year, Marriage, Melodies, and Rewritten Conclusions, explore the world of weddings and all their beauty, heartache, and humor. The voice in Joy's writing will draw you in immediately. If you haven't read any of her books, head over to whitefire-publishing.com read to read the first couple chapters in at least her first book. Then come back to this podcast for the interview. So we're here today talking to Joy Palmer. She's the author of, let's see, you have these great alliterated titles. So do you want to give, you know, Give me the title so I don't ruin them. I, I destroy every time I try to introduce a, an author's title. So, um, so love, lace, and minor alterations, and weddings, willows, and revised expectations. And do you want me to announce the title for the third one? <laughs> if you want to, I, I guess we could do that now. Marriage melodies and rewritten conclusions. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. It's okay. <laughs> Perfectly good. So I, I think I've – Joy and I maybe have an interesting relationship even though we've never actually talked or seen each other because I think you were the first book in probably five years that I actually got to sit and read and edit because I liked your voice just so much that I, I sort of I, – I pulled that one out of the pile and said, no, I'm, I'm going to work with this one. This, this one's for me. So – it, you know, I don't know quite like how do you how do you categorize what you what you write, what your style is, or do you? Because it's it's really unique. Um, the short answer I would I tell people is like um, kind of a romantic comedy with written from a Christian world worldview. The long answer is I take romance and humor because i consider those two of god's greatest gifts and use them to kind of flesh out like these things that hinder us in our walk with god yeah but you do it in this fun sort of <laughs> i don't know it's the the interior monologue that you have is is the voice i wish that like i hoped that i imagine that i have for myself but it's not yeah. ever that interesting or clever um <laughs> i don't know it this, is, this may be a terrible reference, but I, I almost imagine that the internal monologue that you that you put in is like a female Christian Dennis Miller, right? Like right. clever and creative and funny and quick. Yeah. Um, all of those things. It's just, it's just it's so much fun to read. Um, I you know it. We'll start on a sad note. I was so like when I, we finished with this first edit, I thought, oh. Like this is this is the last one of these. I, yeah. I'm disappointed. So, uh, I guess maybe we'll we'll go back to my my standard first question is why why did you choose to write that? I think you already hinted at that a little bit, but you know why why is why is your style your style? Um, I kind of bounced around when I first started writing um, different genres and styles and. Um, None of them stuck particularly well, and one day Izzy's voice kind of popped into my head when I was frustrated with the uh, man who is now my husband, <laughs> and um, it just felt so much of an extension of my internal thought process that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna roll with this. That's the voice you wish you had, or something like that. A little bit, yeah. A little Izzy, bit. Izzy's a little more. Um, out there with everything that I am. Yeah, she's definitely turned up to 11, like, intense. Yeah. I don't know, you actually, you know, seeing you in person, you kind of look like I imagined she did. I wonder if I imposed that. No, I modeled her after me. Okay. <laughs> that was on purpose. Like, yeah, you should, if if there was ever a movie version, you should definitely play her. Yeah. Yeah, no. no. 
No. Another sort of funny question, I guess, with why why that is. So why why weddings? Uh, it's a it's a dumb question. I think I'm I'm asking. It's almost like when I asked um, Hannah Curry why princesses, and you get this dumb look from all of the women that I <laughs> that I know. Like really, why princesses? Really, really? like come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so where did you come up with that that and and why? Um, I've just always really loved weddings. <laughs> like I get super into it and super obsessed with it and. I still binge watch shows like Say Yes to the Dress and Yeah, that happens in our house too. That's the <laughs> that's the laundry folding show or had been for a while. Like Yeah. So, I'm you know, I don't know. It it's it's occasionally really compelling and it's mm-hmm. occasionally cringeworthy. And yeah. I guess those all sort of fit pretty well with your books too. Your series here has, I guess three sort of main character friends and all of that like or is that modeled after anything in your your world are those any people you want to throw under the bus about you know <laughs> oh yeah i totally wrote you into this book and this embarrassing thing that happened in your life i i went ahead and used i totally use little things from friends and put them in the book but have i haven't modeled a character solely after one person so just sort of yourself in that yeah. case. Yeah. And have you ever like worked in any of those those type of things? Like did did you ever work in selling wedding dresses? I don't know. It seemed like you knew so much about how all this stuff worked that I don't know. It, it definitely had that feeling like you knew what was going on. Right. Um well there was all the binge watching, but um I was in the middle of writing the first draft that um that no one saw um, when Sam and I got married. And so when I went to try on my own wedding dresses, I was just discreetly asking questions about like the ordering process and how they did things and just observing the atmosphere. Cause I knew I was writing this book. Well, that's clever and creative <laughs> doing the things that you know, you're doing. Um, so is is this is this actually your town? See, I'm just thinking about all the questions that I've wanted to ask you ever since this came up. Like, is this what your town is actually like? Uh, it, because you know, the town in your books has its own almost character, right? Like, right. Um, nah, not at all. Like, just imaginary. Yeah, more like um the close group of family and friends is what's that that's like, but. So there's no uh, wedding dress shop and quirky boutique where all the decor decor lives and all that? or. So we don't have a wedding dress shop. The only wedding dress shop around here um, was in the town next to us, and it closed when I was about 11. (laughs) But we have um, probably six or seven antique shops around. And that definitely inspired the second book because there's one shop in the center of my town that shares a building with a mechanic shop. And I'm like, who would do that? Why would they do that? And that sparked the entire second book. That's that makes sense. I just figured you had thrown it together because it was unlikely and quirky and you thought, okay, who are these characters? And he would obviously be be a mechanic and she would be a (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't know even quite how to describe, um, uh, and I'm so bad with names, even character names. Second book, the main character was... April. April. I, I wanted to say that, and I, I, I hedged. Yeah, so two sort of very unlikely people to be, but I guess that's 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 what you do, right? Like, right. Izzy and Miles, no. Nope. That That's... <laughs> That was just, that was the whole thing, right? Like, they're they're entirely unlikely. That was, that was, uh, you know, almost Pride and Prejudice in, Pride and Prejudice in Dresses could have been the alternative title. It could have been, yeah. (laughs) Do you just not like your readers and, and give us these uh, characters who, who are so opposed and just can't stand each other? Or do you? 
she just think that's fun. I don't know. Um, I do get a little bit of pleasure out of torturing my readers a little bit, just a little. <laughs> um, but I just, I love the uh, hate to love kind of trope. That's just a lot of fun to me. That makes sense. I'm just trying to, th- to think it through because it, it's, it's so odd, even even after all these years getting to talk to different authors, because I think, boy, you guys are really good at this. And <laughs> I don't know if you feel like you're really good at this, but just the, the way you assembled your books together is so clean. And yet it, it doesn't come off that way when you're reading them, right? Like it's just this almost stream of consciousness through the whole thing. And yet, like, it's really well assembled and put together and, um, you know, everything works with everything else. So, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm being a really terrible interviewer here, but uh, maybe it's just <laughs> being a fan of your books. Uh, it, it's, it's a little different. Maybe we should tease a little bit about the new story. Um, okay. So, everyone already sort of knows the main character in this new book from the other two. Right. She's been around... She sort of had it rough. Like, you haven't been particularly nice to her in the first two books. Like, she can't catch a break. Uh, And here it doesn't start off any better. Nope. No, like, she's got a secret that she hasn't let anyone know, regardless of how close everyone's been. And that makes you sort of wonder about her a little bit. But yeah, I think you understand it. it. You know, I don't think, I don't know whether we should say what the secret is or give it away, because we... So it's right there in the beginning. Yeah, it is right there in the beginning. But I know we talked about, you know, making some some moves and changing things around. But I don't think you're not exactly a mystery writer. But um, maybe talk about, you know, why have you tortured this poor girl so much over over these three books? And and why has she kept this the secret for so long? Okay, yeah. Easy question. (laughs) You can break them up if you want. I think when I was just um, writing Kaylee's character in the first book and getting to know her, I just I knew she was this steadfast, loyal friend who wasn't going to make her friends feel bad about changes, who was in their lives, like she didn't want their pity. She just wanted them to enjoy all these changes that were awesome for them and was incredibly stubborn in her own way. <laughs> I, I just knew like I needed to keep throwing all of these hard things at her in order to shake her up and get her to confront her past and what was going on in her heart. Yeah. So how many jobs does she lose and, you know, ends up living alone? Is it only two? Yeah. Two. Well, three, if you count what happens in the third book. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I guess that's true. Like, you know, it feels like, I think a lot of people will be able to connect with her because everything is so fluid, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of stability and the things that she thinks is solid. Like she, I guess that's what you're getting at, right? Is she is the solid friend. Right. She's the one that's there till the end until everyone else leaves. Right. You know, she's the one that's going to be okay if she gets, you know, fired or let go or. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's something people can connect with, right? Like, Everyone's moving on. Life is not not what we imagined it was going to be. Right. I don't know if that was what you were thinking about when you when you wrote it or not. Yeah. Like just life's moving on. She's left behind and it's not what she wanted or expected or planned or it's rewritten. <laughs> right. And is that something that you took out of your own life or, at all? I mean, but I know that it doesn't seem like your life is quite what you expected it to be. So many little pieces of my life are in these books. <laughs> so which of your uh, four, four, which of your three leading leading men is your husband most like then? Um, honestly, he's really like all three of them. He, uh, he's nerdy, like Miles and kind of... Um, <laughs> Like, I know what I'm doing, and sometimes I'm not always explaining it in a way that doesn't make me seem a little arrogant or know-it-all-ish. 
um, but he's really loyal and steadfast like Chance, um, but he's overcome a lot of things like Gabe has in the third book. So he's he's like all three of them. Yeah, I would love to get more into the meat of Gabe's character, but number one, that book isn't even, I assume, not quite even finished yet, so you may not know everything there. But I, I feel like maybe he's the most like harsh, tortured character out of anyone in any of your books. So why why did you choose to to put to put that in there, right? Like that, that that's that's a hard place to go. Uh, yeah. particularly at the end of a series. And and I'm trying to think how what what all can I say or not say. Um but I, I think that you, you let off like he definitely deals with some shame issues. Mm-hmm. And probably rightfully so. Yeah. But yeah, so so why did you why did you choose to go down that road? Um mostly because that's where God was leading me to go. I was kind of writing it and um was halfway through and I'm just like, okay, I can either write it and make it really, really simple and not delve deep into the issues to the point that I'm feeling tugged to, or I can. And I've seen a lot of people overcome. I've seen people that I love overcome the issues that Gabe has overcome and dealt with and still feel shame and that torturedness and unworthy and unloved. And it felt like a story that I needed to tell. (laughs) And I didn't want to, but I felt like I needed to. I feel like I probably in the, in the first round of edits, maybe pushed you to lean into it a little bit harder. Um, I I don't know if you're, if you're going to go down that road or not. Um, I had actually, sorry. No, go ahead. I had gone harder into it and then panicked and pulled it out. So it's just putting it back at this point. I had softened a lot of it before sending it because I was just like, well, maybe this was too hard. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's kind of what we do. At Whitefire, and sometimes I think, boy, you know, Joy's books don't always quite fit that mo- model, and yet I don't care because I love the voice that much. But this time, like, you really, y- you give us something that is so, so relevant. And again, I struggle to say how much I can and, and should say about it because it it just says everything about his character through the whole thing, his issues with... Kaylee or Natalia? Kaylee, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Kaylee, for sure. Um, uh, well, yeah. And, you know, the Natalia character is a really interesting one. Um, again, I don't know what I could say about her, but there's, there's definitely, well, actually, here's a, here's an interesting way to go. Um, I'm trying to think back. Have you ever written a a sort of convoluted love triangle like that one before? I haven't. What made you want to do that? Because actually to a degree, like, I feel like that's another thing that is fairly, maybe not fairly common, but, you know, like, people don't understand their feelings, right? Like, why do, I don't know why I feel this way about that person or this person, particularly when you're, when you're younger. I mean, I don't know how old these people are in this book, but I, I think, you know, different people mature at different rates. Yeah, Natalia is so sure, but unsure of herself. I, I, I almost wish I could get into her head some more, like, she knows that everything that she's trying to do can't actually <laughs> describe what's going on in the book. Uh, I'm tr- uh, it's so hard. Let's just say she's she's definitely a third wheel and uh, gets in the way yeah. a lot. And I don't think that she quite understands why she does it. Um, except that, again, we talked about this. Is, this is a, one of those fun things, right? Maybe Maybe we can talk about the process a little bit, but... When we had talked about maybe that she and Gabe had had more of a relationship than than was written into the first draft, was that something you were thinking or a direction you're considering going now? Or um, it's definitely what I'm doing now. It wasn't what I had been thinking. I just knew that I wanted her to. I wanted her to be relatable, 
I didn't want her to be like evil and be the third wheel just for plot sake. I wanted her to be someone you could relate to. And I was too close to the plot hole to see it. <laughs> well, and I think that it's not necessarily a hole in so, or except as far as it's true to life, right? Like, right. I really think some people want what they want and they don't understand why they want it and they know that it's bad and they know that it's wrong, but they're going to do it anyway. Maybe I'll I'll try to go in a different direction and, and maybe we'll try to get more at questions. How would you define who is Joy? Uh, Joy is a nerdy person who gets tongue-tied and drinks a lot of coffee and then will rethink this entire conversation for 50 years. So what about your stories? What, what defines your stories most? Um... I hope it's kind of the uh, quick-witted, like, this is, oh, this is, like, how I think. This is so relatable, is what I, I hope. I hope so, too, because I, I really want to know where you're going next. And, you know, I don't know how many different wedding-themed books you could create in this little town in New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> but whatever you choose to do next, I, if that's what defines it, I'm I'm sold. It's all good. <laughs> So along that line, um, you know, like New Hampshire really does sort of define a lot of the different parts in your stories. And I guess you've lived there your whole life. Most of it. Most of it. Yeah. Born there, not born there, moved away and came back. Uh, Moved up here when I was nine. Oh. So most of it. So not quite the same. I mean, you know, they just read as though you've been there forever and you grew up with, you know, skis and, you know, doing outdoorsy things, which doesn't, maybe that's just my uh, take from the last book. Because if you're more like Izzy, I don't know. Does she ski? That's a tough one. I ski. (laughs) You do. Good. I started skiing at nine. (laughs) So where did you come from before you you Uh, Maryland. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, that's a terrible thing to say. I might be sitting in Maryland right now. so Or maybe good for you. You went someplace nice and albeit colder, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Does, do you feel like you're the most you when you're writing like that? or? Yes. Yes. Like, it's just, it's very easy for me to get into my character voice because it's basically just an extension of my thought process. <laughs> Oh, well, that sounds like fun. Can we talk to Izzy? Totally. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I would ask her. She she intimidates me a little, actually. Izzy's way more extroverted than I am. <laughs> She's intense, actually. I had om- almost forgotten how intense she was until about two-thirds of the way through, through the last book. Yeah. I went, oh, right. Wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess you'd have to be when you deal with brides all day. You just got to turn that up yeah no i I don't think i want to talk to izzy no offense that that scares me (laughs) that's a scary scary thought she might be okay but she might eat me alive i don't know what i've done wrong but she would know it she would know it she would say it i'm not gonna say (laughs) oh i'm not gonna be izzy (laughs) no well you, you sort of hope i don't know she has a really good sixth sense for what's really going on in the world okay Here's a fun question, or maybe maybe this is too on the nose. So all three of your books have this uh, special character that runs through them that sort of gives people a kick in the pants. Where did you come up with that? Oh. You don't want to say. Um, honestly, it, it was just an accident. She, she was not planned. Really? That character was not planned. But If you've read it, I think you know maybe who we're talking about. Right. Probably. <laughs> so she just shows up, presumably. She just showed up. She just showed up in that scene um, in the first book. And I'm like, I love her. I have to keep using her. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I can imagine that. Like, you're just there in a diner. You need a character. It was a diner, right? I'm remembering that, right? Chinese restaurant. Okay, close enough. Think, restaurant. Yeah. Regardless, you know, a server in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And. One of those people, this is what was what made me think of it, was Izzy knowing people, was she just sort of shows up and reads their mail, is how someone described it to me, right? Like, 
knows what's going on and is has has a lot of wisdom to impart so yeah that's really cool to know that that was totally unplanned and this character just sort of fell out like that because you know I, I i think i remember struggling with that at first going this is almost too on the nose right like right so how about this as a question because i think this fits in a lot with uh with your story though is you feel like you most belong when you're with is that friends family a cup of coffee and your computer because i know plenty of writers that they like their friends and their family but that's that's not that's not their people their people are words on the screen it's probably um my computer my coffee and the people who understand that part of me they just they they understand they plot with me they they listen to my ramblings, things that never make it into a story, but they just, they listen and talk with me and to them, it's just as real. Yeah. See, I love those ramblings. I feel like that's where it really happens. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I think it, it would make for an awful podcast to listen to for 98% of people, but I would love to just sit and, and do almost like we did with the emails back and forth. We were talking about ideas like, oh, well, what about this and this? Um, right. It would be disjointed and broken and no one would understand what we're talking about. But nope. <laughs> I think it would be fascinating. Because um, I, 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 I really love to get that sort of view of, of people's pictures. So what, when you ramble, what do you ramble about? Do you have to talk through it or? Um, I, I talk through it or you'll see me staring and you can almost see the wheels in my head turning as I'm initially panicking and then thinking like, well, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I deepen this? And then, and then I'll start talking and it just pours out really badly, kind of like this. <laughs> but see, that's fun when you can talk to people and not have to worry about being perfect or on or anything like that. So you're not, you're not bothering me. I, I, <laughs> I really wish, I think that we could have a much better conversation if we could just let it flow and not worry about anyone else. Yeah. So. You know, it, it's that worrying about other people part that, you know, listeners, heck with you. I, I'm going to turn you off right now and we'll just <laughs> talk about the book freely. That would be, I don't know. I guess it misses the point. So I won't do that, but it would be, <laughs> I would like it better. So how do you spend your time when you're not writing? Um, well, there's reading. <laughs> there's plotting because I'm always plotting something i always feel like there's a narration going on in my head of something and i just counted as plotting <laughs> i agree yeah telling yourself little stories like it, it almost feels decadent though doesn't it um like that's the closest i ever get to feeling like do you remember what it felt like to be eight years old and you would just go and play and just do whatever crazy thing was in it like Sitting and plotting is sort of that same feeling for me. I don't know if it's the same for yeah. you. It's just this sense of freedom. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes if like non-creative people get that. You know, if you're a factory worker or, you know, I don't know, a cook at a restaurant. Maybe a cook at a restaurant or a factory worker, they just sit and tell themselves stories all day long. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That could be fun. So I, I remember one of my first jobs was in a print shop and mailroom, and uh, that's sort of what you would do, right? Like, as long as you weren't cutting your fingers off with a paper cutter or, you know, something crazy, like, you didn't have to pay a whole lot of attention, because it's the same <laughs> things over and over and over. Yeah, you, you tell, tell yourself stories. I mean, maybe they don't. Maybe they just sit there and think, you know, chunk, 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 I don't know. You know, if you're listening to this, tell me <laughs> if you're one of those people. <laughs> Like, what do you do with your time when you're you're doing these these non-creative things? Because I have yet to meet an author who doesn't just tell themselves stories. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you think, like, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm weird because I'm always, always plotting or telling a story. Well, I knew I was weird simply because I was an author. I knew my brain worked a little bit differently. I just didn't know to what extent. <laughs> I don't know. I think that you're probably, I, I would say you're firmly in the spectrum of of author and and oddness. I was going to say not really, but 
I always hate to make judgment about people's age because I was shocked when and- Angela Henderson said she was 41 because she 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 plays much younger than that. And maybe it comes from being a middle school teacher. I don't know. But like, maybe some of them just have learned to hide it better than I know that are, you know, in their, say, 50s and 60s. They've pretended for longer to to not be weird. <laughs> so you don't you don't have that problem. Like you're on the younger end of the spectrum. So you, you've got some yeah. time to to pretend to be normal to be normal but see what's the fun in that right like do you really want to pretend to be normal i've i've tried it just it always shines through (laughs) you're one of the first people who really came in to our you know community forum and the world would be better if and how do you fill in that blank and i think that gets at the heart of what we've been trying to do over there is you know people who are readers and and authors like how do you imagine the world would be better because the books that we read really show us how the world could be better in a lot of ways, right? They show us at our worst, but they also show us our potential for for our best and our best sort of solutions and, and all that. So how how do you how do you imagine the world would be better if? If um I think the world would be better if we we loved more instead of passing judgment or condemning ourselves. Are be like the two biggest things is just the way I see it. I was just doing uh, the like intro recording for Susie Finkbeiner's podcast that's going to come out probably just before this one does. So anyone listening may have heard it. But one of the things that she talked about that I'd never thought about was that you need to have empathy not just for other people but for yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's sort of also a theme in your writing and what you were saying there, like. How do you, how do we do that? Because I think we can all be our own worst critic. I mean, my gosh, I think that you're, you're probably sitting there right now thinking, you know, 47 words for every one that, that you you speak. So how how do, how do we do that? How do we give ourselves a certain amount of grace and empathy and understanding? Oh, um, one of the things that has been told to me is not to not to should on myself. I should have done this. I should be that. I should do this more and just recognize that my enough is enough that, you know, to celebrate myself and the achievements that I do make, the, the areas where I am making progress or I don't think that's really answering your question, though. <laughs> I think it does a little. And I think that it would also help to, to make the world better if we all celebrated each other a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to critique and complain. Yeah. And again, I, I keep seeing themes from your book, but like, we, I think sometimes we critique and complain because we're also judging ourselves yeah. in a strange sort of way. like That you see your own faults in you and you project them out mm-hmm. to someone else. You seem pretty even keeled, even though you said you feel like Izzy is your your internal voice. But th- this question is an interesting one. Uh, things make you angriest. What really makes you mad? What really makes me mad? Um, what really or makes angry me mad? is a little. There's a difference between angry and mad, maybe. But yeah, um, when people say that. You can't better your walk with God or yourself through story or romance. That, like, blows my gasket. Oh, see, I should have led with this. This is a good one. I, I've, we've spent a lot of time in this podcast with all the other people talking about how you can better yourself through story. But it's a really interesting question about romance, right? Um, like, There's a lot of people who say... Okay, I'll go. I'll go to the extreme and and play the devil's advocate. You can get you can, you can unload on me if you want, but there are a lot of people that say that you know romance is just pornography for women. Um, right. So does that does that get you fired up when people say that and um, judge you as a female pornographer? They they have, <laughs> and it's like I'm not writing smut. I am writing clean fiction that is God-honoring but that deals with real issues and gives you what I hope 
are real characters. Maybe I'll, I'll step on some toes in the Christian book audience here for a second, but that's okay. I, I sometimes think they don't want to have people deal with real issues and, you know, real characters. And I, everyone says they want to see people more like them. But I think what they almost mean is they want to see people more like they wish they could be. Right. If all of their sins and issues and, you know, shame was sort of erased and turned down. You know, like the Garden of Eden version of themselves. Right. And I can't imagine how that's terribly helpful. Um, that sort of misses the point of being able to better yourself, right? And It does. And maybe that's the other side, is if you're not willing to look at your own problems, you're not going to better yourself. So, yeah, I have a really hard time uh, arguing that you that you can't better yourself through story. Um, but I guess some people would also say that it is sort of selfish, right? Like you sit and you read and, you know, you put yourself in a fantasy world where things are all, you know, wedding dresses and princesses. Even if you're writing harsher things, like, you know, you had with Gabe in this last book is, I remembered a name, I feel proud of myself. Um, <laughs> you can go, oh, yeah, but it's all sort of tied up in a nice bow in the end. And I think we talked about that even with the epilogue, like, it almost can't be tied up in a neat bow right. at the end. Yeah, so how do you, what do you say to those folks who say, oh, you know, it's just escapism? Because I've had quite a few people come on the podcast and say, like, Story, you know, reading is just a form of escape first and foremost. And I, I hate to disagree with any of them, but I disagree with them. Like, that's not, that's not what I care about. I mean, maybe it is in a certain different way. I don't know. I'll let you answer instead of trying to muse on my own. Um, I, I don't ever really view it as escaping. I like traveling to other worlds or eras and histories. And that's fun for me but I don't want something that's going to leave me in turmoil but I don't want something that's just unrealistic and not reflective of life or the journey I've had or the journey people close to me have had I want to see struggles I want to see characters that put their giant feet in their giant mouths and make mistakes and are immature sometimes and have wounds that they won't let go of because that's us. That's mankind. We have those things that we have to overcome. And I want to see characters overcome that. And I think that that's where fiction really can win, right? If we can see that it's possible, then you can do it too. With some of these things that we've been talking about, it reminds me of, of your, uh, the blog that you write. Do you still write regularly in over it's uh you, or do you have two blogs I, i'm trying to remember now um i have two and i contribute to a third okay i, I thought that was more than one yeah i had but they to, seem opposite oh, on. oh sorry i had to put a pause on the devotional blog for a while just and was starting to do little or devotionals across social media and newsletter and that kind of stuff yeah so i was just thinking about it because it really does hit more on these deep sort of emotional mm-hmm. topics and subjects. I, I remember being a little bit surprised uh, going through and, and looking at some of it thinking, wow, this isn't, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same voice as comes through your stories. I mean, they're, they're similar, but they're, they're not the same. I don't know. Is there a reason that you, you come at it differently? Um. Well, The devotional blog was something I started with a family member and we, we took turns writing posts on it. Um, we were both youth leaders. So I was coming from a season of teaching and preparing, um, teachings and lessons and things to help the youth that I was connected with on their journeys with God, um, and so those were always often like some of the key points, but narrowed down into a blog post because attention spans for blog posts are small. That is sort of hard. It, it occurs to me that your your books and your stories do sort of fit almost in a uh, a youth type 
type space, even though they're, you know, not technically that. I can definitely see them being the kind of thing that, that younger people would really connect with. Mm-hmm. What do your friends and family say about you? You know, if they had to describe you. Um, or another way to ask it would be, do some of them, all of them, most of them understand why you're, why you're a novelist, why you're a fiction writer? The ones close to me do. The people closest to me do. Um, the people who find out I'm an author and they're like, oh, wow, you're an author. That's cool. And then the people that take that step and actually read one of my books, they're like, wow, <laughs> is this is this actually you? Like, is this how you think and how you are when you're not being all shy and standoffish? I'm like, yeah, sort of, you know. (laughs) So what's the sort of, is it just what you want or I don't know, you say yes, sort of. I'm not as unhinged as Izzy, but I definitely, half of what I say is some type of pop culture reference. I, I ramble and. I don't think you've dropped one pop culture reference this whole time. I don't know how you've done it. I'm nervous. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you really no need to be nervous. Yeah, I, I, but it's so funny, right? Like when you write, even just you know, in the posts on the forum, like they're they're full of pop culture references and they're they're funny. Like, how, all right. So this is something else I've wondered every time I'm reading one of your books is, do you just? watch every tv show and read every little thing about everything like how do you how do you know all this it's you're just a a library of of useless pop culture information in in a beautiful way i take that as a really good compliment (laughs) and that was even what i meant when i don't don't know if you've ever listened to the comedian dennis miller but that's how I, i imagine it like he just he has this vocabulary and he just drops these words in, in regular sentences and you do the same way with, you know, friends references and you know everything. I don't know. Um I mean there's a lot of pop culture references that I just have poser knowledge on because it's like um like a really old rom-com that I've never watched, but I know the basics on it so I can reference it because that's enough. But then there's things like friends or Gilmore girls or the office where I've watched it more times than I could or would want to share with somebody. (laughs) And I can quote a scene word for word and give you the episode title season oh, wow. and number because that's how well I know it. That's pretty like miles level nerdy. That's great. I am a little. Yeah. Yeah. See that that's a person I want to meet and talk to. Like, I- I'm sorry. I haven't been able to you know, make you more, more comfortable, but like we should be in a coffee shop somewhere nice eating lots of sugar and generally blowing off a diet or something like that. That would be much Basically. more fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's what a writer's conference would be like. Yeah. I think that was where you met Rosanna the first time, right? Or It was. It was. I think she was describing that not too long ago, that you were, your book and your personal uh, appearance did not match at all. So I guess you were pretty nervous about, you know, pitching and, and all of that. I was. Like, I wanted to throw up. <laughs> and she's just like, it's okay it's okay. And she talked to me about cats and Cary Grant until I was able to sort of pitch without passing out. (laughs) Cats and Cary Grant can sort of solve all problems in that like calming, calming way. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of drove you to be the crazy person that's going to go pitch books at a writer's conference then? I mean, you could just sit at home and write and watch Cary Grant and pet cats and drink coffee. That would be... <laughs> I, I would say that would be me, right? Like, that would be my temptation. Uh, I, you know, Rosanna had to tell me to, a few years ago to sort of get off my butt if I wanted to do something. I had to go actually meet the people and, and do it. I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to sit here and do what we've always done and read books and, and be comfortably behind my email and, and Word. So... 
whatever inspired you or encouraged you to be crazy and go to a writer's conference and, and do arguably arguably one of the hardest things that you do, which is pitch pitch a book to somebody? Um, I, I think what the biggest thing was just I kind of believed I had a story worth telling. That makes sense. You owed it to the, the story and the character somehow? I don't or know. Or not? I think maybe owe it, owing it to myself to try because I could just sit there and read books and write and but I just I felt like I owed it to myself to try because I I needed to believe in myself and my story. You know it would be an interesting story to write and I don't think I've ever seen it and it's sort of silly would be a sort of hero's journey type story about an introverted writer who you know knows she's probably pretty good at it uh, but has to go out and, you know, try to pitch and slay that dragon and, and find a way to finally get it published. Like, th- I think that would be compelling to six or seven authors in the six world. Or seven. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking who would read that. And it, I think it would literally be every author or every creative who's ever had to put themselves out there. And, you know, even if you're if you're an artist painting, you sh- still eventually have to show show your canvas right you still have to open your sketchbook and that's not a lot of fun right like no. letting people in stinks it does. and and yet like the thing that that matters is that people read it which is sort of backward right like, people have to read it for it to to matter right where do you come down like do you think that it it, that just writing it is ever enough i think it depends on the story you want to you're telling you know maybe some stories are just for you and that's okay but then there's other stories where it's you know it's bigger it's for other people to be invited in and to experience that journey and i would say that like that's the difference between being a Christian writer or a faith-based writer is I think that we all believe that the reason that we're called to write and publish these stories is because they need to, other people do need to see them, right? Like, right. For other people, it might be enough that they just write it. And if they publish it, great, but they don't care what anybody thinks. I mean, do you care what anybody thinks? Like, do you read reviews or any of that? Or do you just, no no reviews um i have <laughs> there's ones i wish i hadn't but i have i mean yeah i i don't know maybe it's a difference between you and people like Susie, but she seems to take some perverse pleasure in reading her bad reviews she actually just posted one on facebook the other day i wish i remembered what it was but like i don't know that's that's a strange place to to get to well, I I got there. Well, I've gotten there with a couple because um, the reviewer just made all these points, and I I got to this place where it was like, well, good. I'm glad because this character did have issues, and I did want you to see that. So if you did, I'm I'm glad. So they got the point and still chose to miss it. That was sort of the thing. Yeah, I mean what they take away from it i can't like be like you have to look at it and you have to see exactly what i'm trying to show you but at least they saw like a real flawed human character and for that i'm glad yeah i I, we just had this this saying in the house when you have a review or or someone like that it's it's just a and it's probably a a pop culture reference i don't remember where it comes from but so i i see you have a habit of missing the point (laughs) like where did that come from (laughs) right and yet we we want to love our readers, right? Like, I think that's maybe why I don't like bad reviews, because you go, did I let you down? Yeah. But in that case, right, you're right. If it's a bad review where they got the point and they just didn't like it, like, okay, causing an emotional reaction is kind of what we're going for, right? Like, right. you're not writing an argument. You're not trying to convince someone. 
does that ever bother you that like okay this goes back to the you can't you don't get anything out of writing like does it ever bother you that you're playing with people emotionally by telling these stories like okay uh, i'll give another even harder example is um one of the reasons i i really this is going to be a roundabout i'm sorry one of the reasons i always liked your stories was because i i pictured them as as movies and i love movies and all of that but i was thinking about with the latest one there's so much music in it mm-hmm. and like music is just designed to screw with our emotions right like every piece the way it's assembled if it's done really well it, it's it's just emotional and cathartic and horrible horrible things like or horribly great things depending on how you look at it like do you ever feel that when you're writing and you go oh yeah um we're really I'm sticking it to him here, but it's it's good for him. Yes, 100%. Yes. Usually to the... I'm usually pretty excited to get to the point where I blow everything up. Because I know I'm going to get into some... Some meat that... And it's like, I want them to feel... I want them to feel this. You know? Because a lot of times it's something I've felt in one way or another. It may not be like my story word for word but it's something i've felt and it's like i know it's something that people feel it's part of the human experience and you know sometimes we just shove it away in a box but i'm here to kind of blow it up and stick it right in your face and now you're invested and you got to read it well and also like you've got to do something about it right yeah for you and if you can just put the book down and go away and not be changed oh man i i feel like i that's why i say i feel like i let you down right you know i i wouldn't want to publish a book that's just happy happy feel good happy no um like where's the fun where but not even where's the fun but like i i I think this is something i i've said i think in every single one of these podcasts so if you're listening and you're tired of it i'm sorry but get over it but like the the reader's have a huge part to play it's not just about the author and and their word choice and their assembling the 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 story together like when you read it when someone reads it like you play an active part in how how that story plays out because otherwise it's just ink on a page right there's there's nothing there's nothing to it um and I i feel like that changes the way i read i don't know if if you've ever thought about it like that, or if that changes the way you read someone's book, but. Um, I don't, I think because of being an author, when I'm reading a book, I'm trying to think of when I'm reading it, I'm trying not to be hung up on something and just be like, okay, maybe I wouldn't have written that like that, but this is the message that they're trying to convey. This is the, the issue on their heart that they're that they're trying to bring to light and help readers deal with yeah and sometimes when you are an author or an editor i know rosanna struggles with this is she said i just i can't read without editing and it's miserable because it it sort of pulls some of the the joy of that out of it um but like on the other hand i so I don't know if you watch, you know, a TV show like Walking Dead. I don't, um, I never wanted to. And then it was just before season two started. They ran the season one marathon, like leading up to that evening. And I literally came in 10 seconds into it. I just flipped the television on and it was, it was on. I went, oh, okay, this is interesting. All right. So that's my defense for why I watch. You know, I guess the most watched show on television. But they run this <laughs> af- after show called Talking Dead. I don't know. Again, Talking Dead. And it's with this guy, uh, Chris Hardwick. Um, he's used to be on used to be on MTV and stuff like back in the day. I, I forget what he, what he did there. Anyway, he, he's hilarious. It, again, if you've never watched it, it, it's worth it for the comedy factor. But they had the the main like showrunner on on one time. And um he got a, they have an audience and all this, and they're talking about the episode. And the, this guy comes up and says, did you mean this when this happened? And the guy, the, 
you know, the head writer who has runs the whole show just leaned back and went, no, but that's better. So yeah, that's what we meant. Right? Like the audience had a better, you know, this one guy had a better understanding of, of the story and the way it should go than, than this person who's paid a lot of money <laughs> to write it did. Like, but I love that he acknowledged it, right? Like, yes, you're right. That's, that's, that's better, better than what I wrote. Yes. Have you ever had that, I don't know, experience or anything like that? I mean, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I know, like, a lot of reviews for my first books, people were pointing out this same theme over and over. And I'm like, I didn't realize that theme was really even in there. But that's good. It actually is, huh? What theme was that? I'm curious. It was, it was like a really heavy forgiveness theme. And I was so focused on um, is he trusting God that I wasn't focused on a forgiveness theme at all. But that was what spoke to a lot of different readers in reviews and in personal messages that they sent me. And it was like the forgiveness factor. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Well, and, I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about, though, a little bit, right? Is like they they take out of it what they need, right? And and I think like that's the very first thing you said when I asked why you write what you write. I, I had had that sort of faith aspect to it. I don't remember exactly what how you put it, but like that's why, as a Christian and a writer, like there's a certain trust that God's going to guide you to put things in that you don't even think about. Yeah. Um, do you, are you aware of that while you're doing it? Or do you just go, all right, well, I'm going to write what I see and the rest is is up to something else? Or um, Both. Both. I wasn't aware of it in that first book with the forgiveness thing that people kept taking away from it. Wasn't aware at all. Um, but like this third book, there was that trust with God leading towards this particular this direction and writing in that way. Interesting. Sorry. And then I start projecting into the book because you said trust with God, but I don't think this is quite what you meant, but like uh, Kaylee, Kaylee. (laughs) I I keep thinking like Lorelai from anyway, it's totally wrong, but this uh, yeah. Vowels in the name. Um, But I think that like trust is one of the themes that runs through her life, whether you notice it or not. Right. Is just like, you almost look at her and go, she just, you know, goes wherever the world takes her. But it's a really strong amount of trust that even she doesn't quite get, right? Like, right. well, everybody moved out of the house and I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent, but whatever. Yeah, it is. It actually kind of runs through each of them because there's a there's always at least one point in each of the book where I have the character just voice like, I'm not sure God is going to come through for me in some way. I'm not sure I can trust him in this way. And I just have them state it so bluntly, like. But isn't that like, like that's that's so true, right? It is. I think that every day, you know, we live in a really like I, I don't know if you are, but I feel like we're living. I'm living in a kind of uncertain time, even though not much has changed for me as a book publisher. I work from home. You know, people are still buying books, as far as I can tell. You know, you can say it's up or down, but. Um, like it feels like a really uncertain time and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I feel like every day I go, I don't know, you know, are we going to be publishing books in a year from now? I don't know. I assume so because God hasn't told me to stop, but, but it's, it's a really strange thing. Like um, we just sent out um, Christie award nominees. And this is, this is a place where I, I struggle, right? Because on one hand, I think that awards don't ever help you. You know, they don't help sell books. They're not good for some people to win them because some people get really competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like I owe it to the authors who have books out to go ahead and at least put in the nomination. Right. Um, why, why was I telling that story? I don't remember why I was telling that story. Somehow it related to the fact that I don't know what was coming coming down tomorrow, but I feel like I just had to do it, right? Like, right. I don't know. They're probably not going to win because, you know, the Academy hates us. No, I'm kidding. Christie Award people, you don't hate us. I'm sure you love us. 
but you know we've only ever had one finalist and all and all the you know all the time and i think our books are awesome so maybe maybe i shouldn't be <laughs> be nominating them for for awards but like it, so it, it's hard to it's hard to trust that right like why am right. i doing this yeah and particularly with something like that it's weird right like to say well i'm gonna go ahead and nominate this book because i think it's great and what if i don't win who cares but but i but i care and i guess maybe maybe i found a question in there somewhere which would be how do you take it when the answer is no you just have to do this dumb thing I almost feel like for you today is almost like that, right? Like, no, I just have to sit down and do this podcast. And I don't really want to, but I really should. And maybe it'll just, the, the computer will destroy the recording, but I did my part, right? Like, so how do you do when you, you feel like you just have to be obedient, even if it not care about the results or something like that? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure that was a particularly good or well-assembled question, so I'll, I'll take the blame on that one. I feel like sometimes obedience is hard, because when when people in church talk about, if you serve God, then good things will happen. Right. You know, even through the bad things, good things will happen. But I think sometimes we just, if we're obedient, we have this problem, or maybe it's not a problem, maybe it's a good thing, but where like, we stop even paying attention to what comes out of it. I just did it. Whatever. I don't know. I, I wonder how we balance that. Yeah, maybe, uh, see, I'm trying to think if I could bring it back to, to a character, right? Like, what if uh, Kaylee had been, you know, kicked out of her house? You know, like, I, I had this moment it, in... It, it totally is inconsequential, really, to the plot, so I'll, I'll drop it anyway. Is there's a, there's a point where she takes on some renters toward the end of the book. Right. And I think, why did she do that? But you explain, actually, why she did it. But I, I don't think that she would have done it if it was just a, well, I've got to solve this, you know, financial problem type of thing. No. No. I don't... She wouldn't have because she hadn't before then. She, I mean, her friends had moved out of the ho house in the previous book. She'd been alone for a while and she still hadn't taken people in. So she was just all focused on, like, I'm going to solve this problem. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm getting at is because it didn't last long, right? Like, you know, not to, again, take anything away, but that that didn't play a whole lot into it. And that feels like real life to me, too. Mm -hmm. Like, we do these things and we go, I don't know why that that season lasted for, you know, two weeks. But it's over now. I don't know what's come out of it. I don't know. I feel like I'm trying too hard on this subject, but it's it's a weird one to me. But, Maybe a way to ask it uh, would be differently is, does it matter at all whether we understand what God's intentions are? Right. Yeah. Because I went through a season like that recently, and it was just like, I don't know why. I just know that I'm supposed to be doing this, and God will make it clear when I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore. Yeah, but that's hard, right? And It is. It is hard. <laughs> and if when you don't know how long it'll last, like, we, for whatever reason, God has built us not to like uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to know. All right, you know, how long am I, like, uh, I think a really weird example, like, people will work at a job for 30 years because they know eventually they'll get to retire. Right. And, and to me, I find that mildly insane. Because do you really think you know what's going to happen 30 years from now? And you're you're basing all this on that. It's a total farce. That's just my opinion. All the people out there who take jobs because of pensions, good on you, but I think it's almost self-deluding. And yet, yeah. <laughs> and yet they probably look at people like you and I as though we're totally crazy. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard our, our motto? And it's a really great like inside motto for the publishing company is, no one knows what sells books. I have no idea what will make you pick up and buy something but we do it anyway and you have no idea if anyone's ever going to publish your book much less whether anyone's eventually going to pick it up and read it right i feel like i've, I've switched over to waxing philosophical instead of being a podcaster so I'm trying to put the proper broadcaster face back on and maybe <laughs> go in the direction for a second of um is there anything that you would like to say directly to anybody listening 
I've asked everybody for sort of a call to action. I think my call to action would be, is there something that you might know is a problem, an issue in your heart? And you know it's there, you know it's a problem, but you haven't necessarily said, okay, God, you and I are going to work on this. Because that's something I've tried to incorporate in each of the books and in my characters. Yeah, I like that. Because, I mean, that really does fit with what we've talked about. So I think that's probably a good place to end. Is there anything else you'd like to say to any of the listeners? If you haven't watched Carrie Grant's I Was a Male Warbride, you should, like immediately. Thank you for joining us today for our talk with Joy Palmer. For more information about Joy, check out the show notes at whitefire.tv slash unexpressed for links to our website, blog, social media, and books. And take a minute, as Joy asked, to examine your heart to see if there's an issue that you've been afraid to ask God to help you with and commit to taking that to Him right now. This podcast is sponsored by Read Whitefire. There you can read the first two chapters of any Whitefire Publishing Group company's books. And if you like what you read, they're available for purchase in print format as well as electronic formats for all the most popular e-readers. Some books even have signed copies available. And if you're a listener of this podcast, there's a chance you're a good candidate for Platy People, our membership program for unique readers. For just $5 a month or $50 a year, Platy People members get to choose two free books per month, a free novella, 15% off all purchases, including gift certificates, and free shipping to U.S. addresses. Why choose ordinary when you can read extraordinary? Unexpressed as part of the Whitefire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast to find other shows we know you're going to love.